love you. Gentlefolk, ladies and men, we're glad to have you here again. So please, won't you come on in and sit with us here on the couch? I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon. Welcome. Please be entranced by my fingers and my dead-ass-eyed stare. Ooh. <laughs> You're double-jointed and Hungarian. <laughs> Secret review uh, of Edward. God, I love it. And honestly, Bella Lugosi, what a treasure. Yeah. Especially in that movie alone. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, here we are. Here we are. Sorry. Thank <laughs> you for this. This is uh, a patron from Patreon suggestion. Uh, if you'd yes. like to support us, if you like this show, maybe you haven't decided yet because you haven't listened to this episode. But if you do <laughs> decide to, you can go to patreon.com slash green and faceless. And check out the benefits we got for you guys. Main thing being this episode. It's a patron-inspired episode. We have from just suggested from Delva Callahan, uh, world champion of suggestions. So, yeah. Hi, <laughs> so, Mom. So far, she comes up with some pretty good ones. And I got to say, I, I'm pretty happy with this one. I, I enjoy yeah. doing this. Got some classic 1931 horror flicks. Oh yeah, baby. Pre code, pre Hollywood code. Yeah. Where they they no holds barred that you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can make a movie like Freaks, which uh, you know, very controversial movie to be making today. Yeah, oh yeah. These these are kinds of films that's like some of the things would not happen in a movie today. And they almost didn't happen in a movie back then cuz there was a uh, a lot of states wanting to censor these films, like heavily. So these three, yeah, a lot, a lot of segments of these three films. Like many states were like, we will not put this in theaters unless you do not cut out like thirty minutes of this movie. Oh wow, yeah. they're <laughs> all pretty are short all sh- too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, so man, Universal it's, it's- Studios back in the day wanted to do a whole bunch of monster movies at the same time. I guess. Well, uh, they were struggling hard. They were yeah. like, they were going under, I can't remember how many millions of dollars they lost the year before, but they weren't doing too well. And then they did Dracula and they were like, whoa, people like horror movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they just tossed all their money at horror from then on. <laughs> well, uh, you know, these are classic films that I would say like, maybe not so much Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but the other two uh, definitely are just super referred to in right. pop culture. Like the the vision of Dracula and Frankenstein's monster that most people have in their heads, at least in America, <laughs> stupid gnat, <laughs> is Boris Carlyle, a uh, Karloff, excuse me. And uh, Bella Lugosi, and not in those order. I think I I fucked up my uh, my analogy there, or whatever. Ir- yeah, irrespectively, yeah, yeah. Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's monster, yes. and Bella Lugosi as Dracula. I'm sorry, everybody. I am that stickler. I will be that no, stickler. That is okay. It's just a distinction that should be made. <laughs> they were both equally as as good. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe I won't say that because I really love Bella. No, no. 
I meant, I meant I was going to be the stickler as in Frankenstein's monster. Oh, gotcha. I will be, I will yeah. be that stickler. I, I'm so fed up with people just calling Frankenstein's monster Frankenstein. He, he does, you know, in many different plays and, you know, stories and adaptations and everything, he does choose the name Frankenstein. And in the, in the novel, he does have one line where he mentions that he has the name of his creator. But he is Frankenstein's monster in this movie and the original novel. The Frankenstein is the mad scientist who is not a doctor who <laughs> created him. <laughs> and I think they do a good job of pointing that out in, yeah. in the movie. And Frankenstein is, is very much a very evil man in this too, because like his I first so. action in the Yeah, his first action in the film is uh undigging a grave. Yeah. Uh, I mean I don't know why I don't know why we're jumping into Frankenstein and we can. chosen the we can. we can, yeah. <laughs> they don't know what order we decided to do beforehand. <laughs> it's all off the rails from here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do Frankenstein. Let's do Frankenstein first. <clears throat> it is directed by James Whale, who uh, was also the director of The Invisible Man and Bride of Frankenstein. So he came back okay. to into this fran- uh, franchise, which this, this movie launched a franchise. So, like, well done. Uh, it's adapted from a play, the 1927 play by Peggy Webling, who also adapted it from the Mary Shelley novel, of course. But there's key differences, like in in this movie, and I guess it may be in the play. I haven't actually, you know, watched the play or read the play or anything. But Frankenstein's less emotionally developed than than he is in the book. In the book, there's a lot to him. Right. I would say in the book, he's more intelligently developed. Yes, that's fair. Frank, the monster is pretty smart. I mean, it it, it teaches mm-hmm. itself so many things just from observing. There's right. a lot of really awesome stuff in the description of the, the time spent in between the monster escaping and meeting back up with... Does he actually, after the experience, become a doctor? I don't... I don't think so. I, I, I don't think recall. he ever takes the tests. Like okay. I don't think he ever officially becomes a doctor. He yeah, might. He, he might, might be, be out wrong. of shame. Uh, yeah. you know of of what he did, not do it yeah. because in because <laughs> in the book I wouldn't say he's a villain. He's misguided, crosses the line, but he uh, there's a lot of story in that story. <laughs> right. Right. He he's villainous in that he in the books. I mean, I, I would agree with you. I don't think he's villainous really in the books, right. but in, in that he lets the monster basically escape after yeah. he creates it and like shuns himself away from it. Like right. he he just like lets this thing leave, and then he's like, "It's not my problem. He's, I can't worry negligent. about it." There you go. That's Extremely the word I'm looking negligent. for. Yeah. It's and and that's how he's a villain in that book is that he 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 unleashes this upon the world and doesn't have any kind of uh, care for his responsibility over right. what he created until afterwards after everything right. breaks bad which is which is kind of just a very sad situation because it's right. like the monster doesn't at the time the monster doesn't really know what it's doing and then once it learns what it has done it does feel some remorse you know there is there is a little right. bit of that. In the killing. Yeah, I, I do think they do show it, but it's just, they they make this happen more in a feeling of over a course of a few days. However, right. there is a part in it that really confused me. 
And I think it was like a decision on the, in the editing room because it seems to me that there's uh, some weird timing in the scenes. So they go and they introduce Baron Frankenstein, right? And he's like, why is it Henry, which his name is Henry. Isn't it Victor in the book? Yeah, it is Victor in the book. And there is a Victor in this movie that his like, his like friend that is also into Elizabeth. (laughs) Yeah, that must have been a, uh, it might have been a, one of the plays changes. I honestly don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. it, It must have been this play then that made all these changes to the the story might have been yeah i, I don't guess know, it might honestly. have been. It, it could have been either or who knows hollywood yeah. is, was very known for taking a lot of liberties and i think f- that that's part of the rules too it, with uh with adaptations is that you do have to change the story in some way right yeah in some way so it's not like plagiarizing or whatever right right at least back then i don't know if it's still today it, it's still it, that's what they taught us in my script writing class is that yeah. it has to be different in some way. But I don't know. Maybe that's just more of a tradition rather than uh, law. Or maybe it is the law because I would write it exactly <laughs> like the book because I'm loyal to that book. Right. All I know is I just don't fuck with plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, don't fuck with plagiarism. So this movie, uh, I guess we kind of jumped into the differences as if everyone who's listening has read the book if you haven't read mary shirley's frankenstein you should catch up oh yeah definitely (laughs) definitely it's i will say for a lot of like casual readers people who don't read often it is a bit of a drier story so it might be a little bit of a harder gothic tale to get into it is short fuck yeah it's short it's like less than 200 pages and it's so fucking worth it like the first like i want to say six of the book those letters that's the hardest part for me to get through but that yeah. was that was written after she had writ, written most of the story. I feel like I like the creation part the best. And then when it becomes the monster's tale, it is still entertaining, but it's not, you know, it's not horrifying. So that's what I'm that's what I'm there for is that great horror part which comes after the monster's tale. Once he catches Victor up on what he's been up to, and then it's like, "All right, Victor, here's what I want you to do for me." Then right. that's when it gets crazy. Oh, that's yeah. when I love it. Yeah. But honestly, uh, I love that whole scene with them talking in the cave because it's mm-hmm. – and I think I loved it so much was because when I read the book, it was actually something that was new to me from from the story because they don't right. do it in the films, which I think is a shame, except for in that Robert De Niro movie. Uh, they, oh, they, that movie that. was very loyal to the book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've seen it. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I think – Maybe, who knows how long we're going to be doing this show. We could do it till yeah. the day we die. Who cares? We could uh, die on Mike. We could die on Mike. This is the dream. <laughs> the dream is for my, my the compounds in my polymers to just give up and then just <laughs> melt away while I'm standing in front of the microphone. And Gorshin's dying one giant fart, so it's even hilarious on audio. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're going to end the show now. <laughs> the very last episode is just going to be a huge fart. <laughs> just a fart explosion. And like me, like slowly pretending that I'm melting. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> <she> <laughs> <travels> <laughs> <everywhere>. <laughs>
Oh, uh, I have no idea what I was fucking saying. I'm sorry. Well, I could derail us and go con- a little bit into the uh, fun background of Frankenstein. Yeah, because uh, uh, <clears throat> Dracula came out before this, as I as I'd mentioned. New Universe Pictures put out Dracula, huge fucking hit. Audiences hadn't seen anything like it. You know, it was a different type right. of of film for them because you know the, these. I don't know when talkies officially started coming out, but it's 1931. Like most. Most of the films before this, I would assume, were silent films. Right. You know? And there was a lot of silent films. And, and so, you know, it, it, it just wowed audiences what you could do with lighting, with good set design and everything. But when they were, uh, when Universal Studios was like, all right, we're going to, we bought the rights to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or at least to the play or whatever. I don't know how filming rights work. Right. They bought the rights to something and they were just like, all right, we're going to make this and we want Bella Lugosi to star in it because he was so fucking good for us as Dracula. Right. And they were like, obviously, if he was good as Dracula, we want him to play the next monster, and they wanted him to be Frankenstein's monster. But uh, Bella actually had his eyes on Henry Frankenstein, so there was an immediate contention with the, with right. their desires. Then he tried out for a makeup test or whatever Bella Lugosi did, and just hated it. Like I, I remembered, I read somewhere where he was like, in my home country, I'm a hero because of Dracula, and now you guys want to turn me into a scarecrow in your country. And, like, he just did not like it at all. There was just a huge, uh, just differing of opinions. And then the director got fired. Bella got fired. And James Whale came in. He brought in Boris Karloff. I don't know how everybody got, you know, became part of the picture. But that's how, that's how we got what we, we got with, uh, with Boris Karloff as the classic iconic look of Frankenstein. It could have been Bela Lugosi. And it's kind of funny to think about it that way. I don't know, though. Like, it's kind of hard to imagine in my mind. Right? Not, it's very hard. It not being Boris Karloff. Because that's like, that's what they've tried to emulate I know. Since it's, this, you know. And it's just, and you know there is some what if multiversal other world out there where uh, their version of Frankenstein is Bela Lugosi. Right? Yeah, jeez. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. But it's, it's it's so hard to imagine it being anybody other than Boris Karloff. It's, it's hard not to love him as Frankenstein in this, even though his Frankenstein isn't that as we as you mentioned intellectually developed. Right. I well, like there's a lot less time in this story. Right. Oh. Yeah. It's only an hour and ten minutes. I started talking about something. I think I remembered what it was. Oh, um, fabulous! So. <clears throat> Go for everybody knows we have ADHD, so it's totally fine. <laughs> There's this confusion in the film for me because Baron Frankenstein goes to collect Henry on the day of his wedding. Then you have this scene where the monster kind of breaks loose, and Fritz, played by Dwight Fryer, who's in both this and Dracula. He drives the monster back with, like, the torch or whatever. Then it jumps to another scene where Fritz is torturing the monster with a whip. And then jumps to another scene where the monster kills Fritz. And then the Baron shows up. There's, like, all (laughs) these scenes before the Baron shows up. And I don't know how far away this windmill is. It could be (laughs) in a completely different part of the country, I guess. But I assumed... It was probably on the Frankenstein estate, given the guy is a baron. I don't know how like how high a position that is, but it's a position. 
And it seems to me that they should have either gotten there a lot sooner or those – It really what it seems to me is that those scenes took like a week or two to happen. And especially because Henry says that Fritz always tortured him after the monster kills him. How long is always? Because the the movie also plays out like it only happened in two or three days. So uh, the timeline for me is really confused in this movie. Not to say <laughs> that I didn't like the movie because I did. Right. Yeah, I definitely wasn't even focusing on how the passing of time was occurring during this film at all. As much as I enjoy the Frankenstein story and as much as I did enjoy this film, there's so much of it that's kind of just boring, chit-chatty scenes mm-hmm. that I just I phase out until either Boris Karloff's on screen or the guy playing uh, Henry Frankenstein's on screen. Who is that? Colin Clive? Colin Clive, yeah. Um, no, it's not Victor for Henry Frankenstein. No, yeah, it's Henry what, Frankenstein. Yeah. Just messing with me, man. Yeah, it's 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 like when when those two are not on screen, though, it's kind of just boring as fuck and i just don't care and so like a lot of that passage of time and that confusion there that i'm sure is there i just i didn't feel it because i wasn't i wasn't even focused during this movie Er, you know it's it 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 just kind of passed before my eyes i i have to say that i found the baron interesting uh the baron was played (laughs) by frederick kerr I thought he was interesting but he also seemed like he might have been intoxicated (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely there definitely was a lot of that kind of like brusque attitude going on yeah yeah i I couldn't tell and you know he could have been but he also uh uh frederick also had like some kind of cyst or maybe it was a tumor on his neck so maybe this was like this guy's like last movie hurrah or something and he was like pain meds yeah. Again, I'm only focused in this movie on on Colin Clive and Boris Karloff. Like May Clark, to an extent, she plays the she, uh, what's Elizabeth. her name, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah, and, and and she's good. Like she has some good scenes, but this whole movie's boring unless Boris Karloff and Colin Clive are on screen. And they had like the worst party for the wedding. I I don't want to like stomp on the like the 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 cultural elements of it. But they were playing this music. The music was okay, but the the problem I was having with is that it was out of sync with the wedding bells that they were playing at the same time, <laughs> and it was bothering me. <laughs> yeah, that would be a, a nightmare. <laughs> what's also a nightmare? Terrible segue. But what's also a nightmare is there's some very controversial scenes that, as we mentioned. Yeah. Uh, the the states wanted to censor the fuck out of this film in particular. They wanted to censor because of two scenes. Uh, there is one scene where a young girl is drowned by Frankenstein's uh-huh. monster. Very yeah. accidental, but it is kind of brutal to watch. Like it's just like holy right. shit, that just happened in 1930. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, and it's like yeah, this is pre code. They were able to just throw a child in the lake. That's that was totally fine back then, I guess. A lot of a lot of states wanted that whole scene removed, and that kind of makes it an issue because that is when you know that's his biggest act, right. uh, Frankenstein's monster. That's like the worst thing that he does. But it's also like the most innocent thing he does. Exactly, because he doesn't realize. You know, he's right. just playing with the kid at first because she's a kid. She's not terrified of him. She you know she just sees a stranger and she's like, oh, maybe I can play with this person. 
And he's just like, yeah, he seems friendly at first because he has a big goofy grin on his face and he's kind of playing with her. And then shit gets bad. <laughs> it's just well, like, oh, fuck. He just, oh, so she, so this is what happens in the scene because the, I, I found it adorable. You know, obviously the ending was not, but uh, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. The face is laying like, <laughs> I, you know what's cute? The murder of innocence. <laughs> so, and that's why the government locked you up. Yeah, don't tell them where I am. So, she put she takes a flower and she she tosses in. She says, "I can make a boat." <laughs> she tosses it in there. I thought she was adorable. I was like, "Yeah, I I don't you know fuck who knows people that I know from these movies besides the leading monsters." Because mm-hmm. it was so long ago. I mean, we're just so generationally removed from yeah. from this. But this little girl could have been a famous person. Could have. Later on. Yeah. Later on. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I did. No, she could have been a little orphan was. Annie for all we fucking know. Who's Shirley Temple. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she throws this flower in and it and it floats. And, he, and, then, and then he tries. Even though he crumpled the shit out of his flower and it still worked. And he said, so in his mind, everything you throw in floats, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Everything you throw in floats. So he picks up the little girl and just chucks her in there. Swoosh two points. Uh, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, see, that reminds me. I hope she doesn't listen to this. It's going to be very, I'm so sorry if she does. Uh, when I, when I was very young, like maybe, uh, eight years old, I guess I can't remember how old I was, but I, I couldn't swim until I was like 12 or 13. Right. Like I didn't know how. And I was at a, a friend's party and my, uh, one of my cousins was there and she was like the chaperone of the party kind of thing. Right. And she was like, why don't you get in and swim with everybody? And I was like, I don't know how to swim. And she's like, Oh, shush. You know, she was just being playful, right. but she like grabbed me and threw me in and I just sank right to the bottom. Oh. And after a minute, well, not after a minute, but after like maybe five seconds, she was like, huh, he wasn't, he wasn't kidding. <laughs> she, she jumped right in and pulled me out and everything. But she was just like, she she was so apologetic for it because right. she thought I was just kidding. I was, I was a joker, you know, uh, I was right. the boy who cried wolf all the fucking time. So <laughs> the one time. <laughs> the one time. Oh, it was uh. so funny though. But but yeah, that that scene was one of the se- reasons they wanted it censored. There was another scene. The uh, the religious South was not a fan of this movie for the very obvious reason of you know uh, he creates a man, and okay. so it's it's a very bad thing. They don't they don't want men being gods. What and if there he is a created specific... a woman? Do you think they would have oh. been good with that? No, they would definitely be not be okay with that either because then you know then you'd have to bring in a lot of other. Cultural issues that they would want put into the movie, <laughs> but <laughs> but th- there was one line in particular they were not okay with, and it's when uh, Frankenstein creates life when he he does his awesome creation experiment. You have the the crazy fun Tesla uh, reactor with the the electric uh, the electric bolts flying everywhere. It's really cool. It's a good scene. Yeah, uh, but after after he is successful, he is like, "I am God" or whatever. He he, he literally now says, "Like I, I have... know what it is to be God." That's it exactly. With all of that fervor, too, he's just going crazy. <laughs> they didn't like that. 
That was a big no-no. And they would definitely... Yeah, that one I was just like... I was actually like, oh, wow. I was like, maybe maybe things got, like, stricter after the code, which you... (laughs) It did. It did did a lot, yeah. And uh, I, I feel like I remembered reading in the Wikipedia page that... The uh, that line in particular and the drowning scene were actually just cut and burned from every copy. Like they they made sure it was wow. like completely destroyed. And then in like the eighties or something, there was a a version found that still had those. And now that's the version that people know because they put it back in for the modern day. Because it's it's you know it's part of history. It's the, they right. wanted to lock it lock it back how it was or how it was meant to be. But yeah, there's there's a lot of this film that was just removed on. Well, honestly, I think they make a, a much a much more interesting film. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but uh, I think I think I'm ready for the closing uh, closing yeah, the cap on it. this one. If you are, I give it a I give it two and a half stars. It, again, very good performances from Karloff and from uh, Colin Clive and and from other people. Everybody's pretty you know decent. But those those were the two that had me riveted when they were on screen. Everything else kind of just chit chatty, and it doesn't live up to the novel's legend, in my opinion. I, I much more prefer reading the novel or other versions, other adaptations. I've I've uh, seen a lot better <laughs> recreations since this one, but it's still it's still a fun one to go back to. Yeah, I could agree with that. I like. There's some pretty awesome movies of this monster and bad scientists that. I'm just repeating what you said, but the worst way possible. (laughs) (laughs) I really do like that one with Robert De Niro, so we should watch that sometime. Uh, There's uh, a really good one with Alvin Chipmunks. And uh, (laughs) I think sometime we should do a playlist of, of these stories. Well, how about yeah? I was gonna say, how about next year we'll do uh, we'll do the Dracula with Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves. We'll do the Robert De Niro Frankenstein movie, and then we'll find a modern day version of uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. <laughs> well, it gets a face. I was I was actually entertained throughout. There's some like things that were like uh, okay, uh, but there was nothing also that I felt was like super gross about this movie. Like no, no. You know, that didn't super age well or anything like that. Obviously, there's only one female character and she's underutilized. Yeah. And I forgot to mention, too, uh, um, two things that I, uh, I love the the sets. Oh, yes. Yeah, the set are designs great. are, they're fucking beautiful. Like, they, they did a really good job. Like, especially when they're in the graveyard uh, digging up those bodies. Like, there's this, like, skeleton death thing, like, cloaked. It's a statue in the background. It's so eerie. I'm just like, why is that there? But, like, it's so good. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I also wanted to mention that the uh, the monster makeup is done by Jack Pierce. You know, fucking yeah. props to that man. Like, good cool. job. It's, it's a cool design. And, I mean, obviously, we all know it. So, right. It is. So, one last thing I want to mention about this. Three cheers for the family, Frankenstein. I mean, come <laughs> on, guys. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> that kind of just really pissed me off. Because, like, he caused everything. And obviously, that's the point. But, yep. god damn. Yeah, it's, the, it's another one of those fucking... Uh... 
uh, what's that movie with John Cusack? Daft, no, not the day after tomorrow, 2012. Oh, yeah. Where he, right. yeah. where he causes the final tragedy and then, you know, stops it from happening. And everybody's like, he's such a hero. And it's like, he fucking almost killed you it's, all trying to sneak onto this ship. I think this is a little, you know, this. there's a scale of that. It, it, it's and, not the same, but it's, it's almost the same. <laughs> it still pisses me off. It's John Cusack. Don't stand up for him. All right. <laughs> I guess. Well... Yeah, I think we're ready to move on. Uh, but first, uh, let's get some concessions. Okay. Are we back? Welcome back. Hey. Oh, I guess I we're, think back. we're back. Hey. We're back. We're with Dracula now. I still have a little bit of cookie in my mouth. <laughs> Oops. I forgot to mention the uh, writers of Frankenstein, uh, Francis, Francis Edward uh, Farragon, Farrago, and Garrett Fort. And I mention that now because Garrett Fort was the writer of Dracula, Dracula. based off of the Dracula, based off of the novel by Bram Stoker. A lot of people love this novel. I have read it now three times. And you would think if I've read it three times, that means I love it. Um, not so much. It, it's okay. There, there, there are parts of it that are super good, but it's epistolary. It's all written in and letters and diary entries and newspaper hmm. clippings. It's all it's all writings. Yeah, and and that makes it very cool for the first hundred or so pages, and then it continues, and you're just like, oh god, this is all written like okay, like after a while, it weighs on you. And it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it's really good in that regard. The first two times I read it, but the third time I read it, I was just like, "Man, I really just don't love this book." Like it's it's good, but I think it's only good a few times, and now I have to wait like a decade or so until I'm able to read it again. I've never read it, and that sounds pretty cool to me, actually. I do definitely recommend it. Yeah, because that that first time was amazing, so it's like an easy recommend. But in the in the decades that I'm going to take off of reading it, I'm just going to fill that void with all of the fucking Dracula shit that we already have out there because it's out there. There's about a thousand different adaptations, and this wasn't even the first one. There was an illegal filming of Dracula that everybody knows and loves. It's called Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Yes, the silent 1920-something film. I can't remember when it came out, but it was it was illegal. They didn't have the rights to Dracula. They just filmed it and called it Nosferatu. <laughs> and the uh, the owner of the rights at that time, I don't think it was Bram Stoker at the time. I think it was uh, his wife or his child or something. I don't know. Um, I don't know when the, the novel was written. So Yeah, it was in the, I think, like 1890s or early 1900s. But whoever, whoever owned the rights sued and <clears throat> won, and Nosferatu was just banned. They gathered up all the copies. They burned them all. And Jeez. they, you know, again, wasn't until decades later when they found copies and they're just like, oh, here's that thing. Now this is part <laughs> of history. And they, you know, they put it in the nice little historical society. But it, this one, this film, 1931's Dracula, directed by Todd Browning, who was the uh, famous director of Freaks, which if you haven't seen Freaks, it's a very interesting film. Someday I'm sure we'll watch it. I don't know. Uh, 
that that's where you get the uh, gooble gobble one of us one of oh. us gooble gobble gooble gobble that comes from freaks and oh. it's uh see here i thought it came from uh the outsiders i i don't know what that's what that is i can't think of that i thought they did it in the outsiders that uh it's got like fucking everybody in it man i mean i think tom cruise what? and Ethan Hawke. Oh, mod- that's modern day. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they might have. <clears throat> it might have been a reference. I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen that. I can't think of it. I I just remember watching that scene. I honestly can't tell you what the movie <laughs> is about. Huh. But everybody loves it. I guess we'll have to look it up someday. <laughs> gonna, I've never even heard maybe of it. Maybe we should cut this because we're going to lose all our fans. They're going to be like, they don't know anything about movies. No, that's totally fine. That's 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 our image. We don't know shit. We're we don't not know shit. We're just people who love watching films. We don't know how to talk about films. Why yeah. the fuck are you guys listening? We don't know. You're here though. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. Patreon patrons. <clears throat> we just talk like talking and gabbing and hearing our own voices, especially yeah. me. Yeah, we're both narcissists, so. <laughs> <laughs> But this this one though, they got the rights to the film. They made sure they got the rights to dra- to do Dracula, and they tried to do a, a somewhat loyal. Again, it's based off of a a play, I believe. Um, yeah, it did say so. Uh, and oh wait, there was something that I wanted to say uh, earlier about Frankenstein, and I gotta get that yes. out of the way real quick. Okay, so in the credits, the open credits of Frankenstein, they say. Uh, based on the novel by Mrs. Percy Shelley. Yeah. And I was like, those fuckers. 1930s, man. Those uh, patriarchal fuckers. Yep. I don't know if everybody knew, but anyhow, she was better than him anyways. And she, her name will outlive him. So is she got, in history anyways, she got her accolades. But that still made me really mad, and I had to say. So there we go. Now we can talk about Dracula again. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, uh, it is based off a of play, and in that play, Bella Lugosi played Dracula, and so that's why, through I think happenstance, he just ended up becoming the Dracula of this film. And okay. fuck, is he fuck is he amazing? Like he is so good as he Dracula. Played, he played Dracula and Nosferatu. Is that what you were saying? No, in the in the play. In the play. In the play okay. that this movie is based off of. Nosferatu and Dracula is uh, Max... Uh, I didn't think it was sh- Something. Max... It starts with an S. I can't remember his name. Max Shrek? Max Shrek? No, that's know. the villain in the... That's the villain in Batman uh, yeah, Returns. Yeah, that's it. That is. Yeah. That's... Uh, <laughs> Oops. Uh, but no, no. I can't remember. I can't remember who played Nosferatu, but I don't remember who it is. Uh, but no, Bella played Dracula in the play. And they, for whatever reason, they just brought him on board this film, and it it's fucking brilliant. Like it, he's so good in the lighting. Like yeah. they they light him so well. He's always menacing. There's so right. many moments where he you, you feel hunger in his face when he's looking at blood or looking at somebody. Right. It's it's ah, uh, he is above and beyond the best part of this whole film. Oh yeah, uh, and you know what? I, I have to give it up for Dwight Fryer. Who was also who played Fritz in the other movie? I don't know if I said that to you when we were talking, or why we were recording. But anyways, he plays Renfield, who is 
the Count's first victim on screen. Right. And that's yeah. one of the big changes from the uh, from the book is a lot of Renfield. And again, it might be changes that the play made. I don't know. Right. No. Yeah. I don't know if it's the play or if the movie, but in the book, the the part that Renfield plays in the beginning of the movie is Jonathan Harker. Jonathan Harker goes to Transylvania to uh, Count Dracula's castle. He's the one who helps him sign the papers and secure the uh, the acreage, the the plot of land or whatever in right. England where Dracula plans to move to. So it's it's a it's a big shift because when you when the story shifts from Transylvania to England right. or wherever it takes place, that's when you meet Renfield. He's already in. A mental asylum. He's already under the spell of Dracula. Well, he was on a ship with them. Yeah, in the in the movie, in the book, oh, it's okay. completely different. Gotcha. He's in the. He's already in an asylum, and Dracula is like when Dracula gets there, Dracula brings him under his spell. I see. And it's kind of it's kind of just left to, up to be like I don't know what happened to Jonathan Harker or where he's at until he comes back in later. But yeah, in this, it's Renfield at the beginning. And when they go to England, then there's Jonathan Harker, and he's already, you know, I in see. love with Mia. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting shift. But given their given their time restri- restraints of like an hour and ten minutes, <laughs> it it's a good shift, I think, because it's uh, it cuts out a lot of the the prattle of Bram Stoker's novel. There's right. a lot of just you know chit chatty moments in the novel. It's a huge. My copy of it's huge. I think it's like six hundred pages. I don't think it's that big for everybody, but. He's a thick boy. And it's just prattles. There's a lot of just exposition in the right. in the book. And the movie just kind of cuts out as, as much as it can. It kind of chunks everything together so that it's still entertaining throughout. But just like with uh, with Frankenstein, there's a lot of moments in this film where I'm just bored. <laughs> just, I'm just like, all right, can we get back to Dracula? Can we kill something? Or like, what's happening? I really thought this one uh, grabbed my interest more throughout than Frankenstein did. But I I can see where somebody could get bored. Yeah, I, I think I was definitely more interested because Bela Lugosi's in more of this than right. Boris Karloff is of Dra- uh, Frankenstein. But yeah, there's just, there's a lot of just down moments where it's like everybody's reading on Dracula's menacing nature and they're trying to like peer under it's like, is he actually villainous? Is he a, right. is he a vampire? And, and Van Helsing's there just kind of like prattling on like a crazy old man. And everybody's just like, I don't know if yeah. we should believe you. I don't <laughs> know how many times Renfeld is like, and I'm the one who is supposed to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his character like flops so often where he's just like, he's like, I am loyal to my master. I'll help you guys. <laughs> no, master, no. please don't help me. <laughs> Yes, uh, uh, I do love that, uh, like, I feel like this movie showed his range, though, Dwight, Dwight Fry's range, because right. the character he is at the very beginning is a pretty straight-laced business guy, and he switches to this mentally troubled person very, I mean, it's 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 right away, it's, it's a hard yeah. switch. But I like this character, uh, at least more than Fritz, but Fritz really didn't have too much terrible screen time. 
Yeah, and, and his character is also treated like a bumbling idiot right, in yeah. Frankenstein. Like he, when he when he switches the brains, right? <laughs> yeah, just, he, and, normal brain. <laughs> he just grabs a normal brain, runs, gets spooked, drops it, and goes back. Abnormal brain. Yeah, sure, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, one. <laughs> Such a stupid scene. Yeah, but but him as him as Renfield, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Much much stronger range of character there, especially when you like they open the door on the ship and he's just down at the bottom just grinning and it's kind of like for for a film of its time in the 1930s it's like a little bit of a goofy scene but at the same time it still holds a little bit of like intimidating menace or you're just like oh god that's creepy like i would be terrified if i opened the door of this empty ship and there's just this grinning guy standing down in the hold like (laughs) fuck that (laughs) it was one heck of a storm they must have gone through (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if there's anything else that i don't know what else we want to talk about with this film yeah i i can't think of anything if i I go to closing statements is that right yeah so i think this movie is totally worth watching uh it's honestly quite a bit of fun uh to to watch Van Helsing kind of just kind of get it right away, but he uh, he's also <laughs> like kind of questioning it himself because yeah. he's never had evidence of all this lore being true. He just knew all the lore, right? And and so <laughs> he like he slowly proves it to himself, and then he also is just trying to get everybody else on the idea. I think mirror scene. Yeah, the mirror scene's <laughs> great though. It's it's great, but it's so funny because he's just like he looks into it and sees there's no reflection. He's like, oh, and then he do it again where they show the mirror and there's no reflection. And it comes back to him. He's like, oh, and then they go back to the mirror and it's just like, all right, how many times do we have to do this until the audience understands what's going on? Because like they don't they don't want Van Helsing to just say while Dracula is there, he's got no reflection. Right. You know, right they they right. just want they want the audience to figure that out. Right. So it's like, how many times do we have to switch back and forth between this until we we know for sure the audience understands what they're seeing? And it's it's so funny because it's like three or four times that they do this thing. And it's just like, all right, I get it. <laughs> He's got no reflection. Let's move on. <laughs> I do like, though, when without knowing that there was a mirror in the box, he shows mm-hmm. it to Dracula. Oh, yeah. That bit yeah. was awesome because... It just showed how smart Van Helsing is. I also really like this movie because even though there really was only uh, one female female character of note, the only main female character is Mina. And she actually has a pretty decent role, I think. Yeah, and Helen Chandler does a good job, too. Oh, yeah, she she does. So, like, um, we didn't really talk about it, but uh, she... Well, maybe we should leave that for. It's a novel from the 1800s. She gets turned. (laughs) She gets turned, and they're trying to find a way to save her. There's like one really good scene too, where she's talking to Jonathan, uh, her her uh, fiance Jonathan Harkness, played by uh, David Manners. When they're when they're chatting, and I think Van Helsing or somebody's looking on and knows that she is turned, and like, or at least has the suspicion that she has been turned. Right, and. She has almost like the exact same kind of hunger in her eyes that Bella Lugosi has when he's looking at a victim. It's right. it's really good. It's like and they're kind of like zooming in on her eyes too, and it's like oh, what a great fucking scene for Ellen Chandler. It really was, and 
So that that eye shot, the shot where they have the the light focused on the eyes, they still use that today uh, right. for, for uh, female characters in romance scenes. They mm-hmm. so I don't think this is really where that started, but it definitely has a lot to do with how they use it in vampire movies still also as well. Right. It, it's set up a trope for sure. Yeah. It's very interesting to go back to the 1930s and see these techniques still like at right. the, at the beginning of their time. Did you for give sure. it a face? Uh, uh, you know, I was tempted to give it a face and a half, but I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just because uh, it was the last of these three that I watched and I mm-hmm. was pretty impressed by it. Uh, I- I'm going to give it a face and just, you know, at home that I think it's very worth watching. And I agree. I, I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a very good film, especially if you're a cinephile. If you, you love movies and you like, especially if you're able to watch older films, like before pre-code or anything. I mean, if, I mean, if you just love the 1940s and 50s films and want to dip your toes in the 1930s, Dracula is one of them to, to yeah. go to. It's a very good film. The effects are kind of a joke. Uh, they have this like little flimsy plastic bat that they kind of wave right. around on strings every now and then. It's it's really kind of goofy and doesn't carry across any That's of the intimidation of Dracula. Bat. <laughs> it's a huge bat. And, and Jonathan Harker, <laughs> Jonathan Harker again is just the dimmest fucking crayon in the box. Like I don't know how many times he has to be told that Dracula is a vampire and that his wife is in danger, and he's just like, "What? what? He's what?" Oh my god! Mm. It's like god damn, so stupid. I, I still do like this movie, despite those like ill effects and everything. It's still beautiful. Bela Lugosi is just goddamn brilliant as Dracula. Oh yeah, he's so fucking wonderful to watch. Everybody else is also really fun to watch. I also like Edward Van Sloan as Van Helsing. Like, oh yeah, he's great. Not my favorite Van Helsing, but like. I definitely see where uh, Hugh Jackman, right? Yeah, sure. That's yeah. I know that's your. I know that's your favorite. Uh, I like Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> that's where I'll go to. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins does a great job in that movie. Yeah, and, and I feel like he took a lot of inspiration from Van Sloan. They have a very yeah. similar uh, build and acting style. Really, at if, least in these films. If you've seen that Francis Coppola movie, it's pretty much the same. I recommend that movie over this one, honestly. I, I love that movie so it's much. A good it's movie. so Yeah. It's so just out there for a couple of film. It's good. Yeah. But overall with this one, I do like it. I do recommend it. I give it two and a half stars though. Just just because it, it doesn't really I've seen better adaptations, you know. Sure. At the time at the time I probably would have been over the fucking moon right. about this yeah, film. When you were the first film critic yeah, uh, when I when I was the only film critic in the world, yes. <laughs> but but now but nowadays, you know, I've seen it done better, and I you know I don't like the the final scene. Like again, spoilers. But it's an eighteen hundreds fucking novel. I mean, late eighteen hundreds, but still, Dracula dies in the end, and what? oh, what? Everybody else does it so well. This movie's just like, yeah. uh, all right, we're gonna put we're gonna put the stake over the heart, and then we're gonna we're gonna cut away, and you're just gonna hear a scream, and it's like, 
no, he's a vampire who's hundreds of years old. I want to see. I want to see your effects. I want to see how his body either disintegrates or bursts into flames. Or I want to know what happens to the body. Yeah, what happens? I do kind of like though what they did with Mina in that scene. Yeah, uh, where she she was better. Yeah. She's all better now. Yeah, she's she's freed of her possession. I think it would have been funnier if she like walked up to them. And she's like, "I'm happy, I'm healthy now," and they're like, "Oh, thank God!" And then she killed both of them. And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's what I wanted I to happen." Thought you were gonna say, and then Van Helsing took the stake and, and staked her to the cave wall. Are you there? Are you there? That is yes. the real question. Good. I have fixed my internet, but I I wrapped up my thought okay. and. Uh, Let's After technical about... difficulties, let's move on and talk about <laughs> Dr. Jekyll. <laughs> let's talk about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll. Oh. Uh, this one. This one is a lot of fun because I feel like this is the one that a lot of people don't turn to for these films, these kind of right. old horror films. And so, and, 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 and as the novel written by Robert Louis, novella written by Robert Louis Stevenson, when it comes to Halloween time, this isn't one that I turn to. Again, it's more of a science fiction story right. than a it horror does story. Feel more science fictiony, but there is definitely some horror elements to the actions. But a long time ago, if you if you'll believe that the Green Traveler was ever a child, <gasps> he picked up his first big boy book, and it was Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Oh, really? Us Americans call it Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, uh, in in native Scotland. Where Robert Louis Stevenson is from, if Scotland is the right location, I think that's correct. It's pronounced Dr. Jekyll, and that's how this movie pronounces it, is Dr. Yeah, Jekyll. Yeah, it was through me. Yeah, it threw me too, because I didn't know that. But three decades of calling him Dr. Jekyll and hearing all of American media call him Dr. Jekyll, as well as other nations' uh, media calling him that, I don't know if I'm going to switch my pronunciation up yeah, to Dr. I, Jekyll. I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, when I'm talking about this movie, I will refer to him as Jekyll. That's fair because because this movie he does he is called Doctor Jekyll in this film, and he is masterfully played by Frederick March. Yeah, so good. Like that guy. Oh man, like yeah. he won the Academy Award for this, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it because uh, again, this is the first novel as a as a kid. I was like maybe five six years old when I went to the, the you know I was in. I had just started school, and I think I was only in, like, first or second grade when I found this in the library. And I don't know if the teacher should have honestly let me read it, but, like, you know, she probably thought, he won't get through it that far. It's, it's like, the 1900s, <laughs> yeah. early 1900s novel. Or maybe <clears> they never it read it, and they're like, well, it's a classic. It should be fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> oh, man, I loved it as a kid. But there was one scene in particular that just, like, rocked me, and it was this description of Hyde – like right before his first like cane killing where he kills somebody with his cane and it just yeah. describes him as this like you know just very thin figured like twig like limbs just mad just hobbling along and it was just it was creepy it was so Yeesh. scary as a as a child i just remembered it stuck out with me and watching their interpretation of Hyde in this film he is a monster like he oh yeah. my god there's some gross stuff that he does and the the story of this film is you have famous Dr. Jekyll, or Dr. Jekyll, talk of the town, people know about him. He has this absurd idea that you can split the good and the bad personalities of your own self. And he accomplishes that. 
you know, through a lot of long nights and like staying up with and like chemicals and chemicals. labs and a lot of chemicals. And, and he, he accomplishes it and separates his evil self from himself. And that evil self is Mr. Hyde. This, this disturbing figure who he unleashes upon the world, who goes out and attaches himself to one lady in particular. Yes. Oh. Being, uh, is it Muriel or is that the, his fiance? Oh, I can't remember, honestly, because it's either Miriam Hopkins or Rose Hobart. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember who is who. Okay. Miriam Hopkins playing Ivy Pearson is the woman. I- I'd say she is a tavern employee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of a sorts. <laughs> it, and it's it's amusing, too, because at the very beginning... Dr. Jekyll is just kind of a horny man. He just wants to get married so he can have yeah. sex, basically. Yeah, kind of. So, really, Dr. Jekyll, like, he's got a side to him that's flirtatious. And, mm-hmm. uh, yes, horny, like you said. Uh, he's having right. trouble waiting for Muriel. And then, all of a sudden, Muriel goes out of town. And I think that that you said earlier that he was successful in separating. But I don't think it, you know... It, it worked in the way that he was hoping. So no. it he drank it and his dark side and intentions take over his body. So exactly. He, he there's no it's not two separate people. It's it, I mean it is two separate people but they inhabit the same place but not at the same time now. Yeah. It's like different, like him. This isn't it at all, but it's like different hemispheres of his brain, right? Start, like take control, right? And it's uh, and and when Hyde is in control, Doctor Jekyll's life falls apart. Oh, yeah. Like Hyde, Hyde slips into like all of these very interpersonal areas and just ruins them. Oh, definitely. And and kind of ruins ruins Jekyll's image once uh once people figure out what's going on, which Jekyll does. As much as he can to keep everything under covers because he doesn't want the public to know that he has done this. But he's kind of addicted to it also. Yes. Like, I I think that there it's the feeling of freedom that yeah. he receives when he first becomes Hyde. Because it's still him. Like, yeah. they make that pretty obvious at at the end when he's trying to stop what's going on yeah and it's a good tragedy like oh yeah as everything unravels it's just it's kind of not heart-wrenching because you don't really kind of feel for you don't feel emotionally for either uh dr jekyll or hyde because neither of them really have good intentions here you know hyde is just villainous and dr jekyll just kind of just he does i want to give him credit for trying to push away muriel because like that's true he, I forgot he about knew that. he was dangerous but mm-hmm. muriel played by rose hobart was just not having it uh you know these neither of the women in this movie have really any agency but i do think that they're both what really well portrayed maybe even better than yeah. the other character female characters uh though nina was pretty well played too and they they do kind of exploit Miriam Hopkins' character uh, a little bit, you know, because she is again like a tavern worker or whatever. Oh, and oh, so they yeah, I got confused yeah, being, because Miriam Muriel 
Yeah, God. sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the actor Miriam Hopkins, uh I can't remember her character's name, the tavern Ivy. worker lady. Champagne Ivy, thank Ivy. you. <laughs> yeah, it, but being pre code, they were able to exploit her uh, I mean, I don't know about the actor being exploited, yeah. but they were able to exploit the character in a quite sexual fashion. Yeah. That again it's not kind of good. shocked me for the thirties. It's not good. But it, no. it shocked me for the thirties too, because I was just like, Oh my god, I thought they would have been a little bit more Right, uh, so PG for this time. PSA about this movie: it is about Hyde kidnapping and uh, keeping uh, her. Pretty much is a sexual slave. Yeah, uh, in, in their apartment, and yeah, also beating her regularly. So it, it's, it's pretty hard to watch, and uh, yeah. And I don't know if you're ready for closing statements. I, there, I mean, there's more to talk about, sure. Um, yeah, I, I am ready because I, I think that uh, there, there's not not more to talk about in the fact that I would want to spoil, right? Because despite, but despite that that statement that you just made, which I do think is an important PSA, I do still recommend this film because I think it's a pretty interesting film for the 1930s, like sure. especially a horror film. Like I feel like. Frankenstein and Dracula get a lot of attention, and Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde kind of just again. I didn't hear about it much. I knew it existed, but it was not something that I heard people being like, "Oh, you got to go right. see this." And especially would, for the 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 conversion effects alone, the the transition that, effects, I I think are yeah, worth it. There's some great cinema stuff in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, when they open up the film, it is. First person point of view from Dr. Jekyll. And that yeah. was really interesting because they do it again with him and Hyde in the film. And I, yeah. I thought it was really interesting. I don't think it would really work, at least the way that they did it nowadays. It'd have to be done differently. Um, yeah. But, You'd have to put a mask over the camera and make it Michael. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, like, it was really easy. They just put, you know, a little frame around it to right. make it round. And it worked really well. I like when he goes to the mirror and the, the servant comes out to him. And it's just like, I, I was doing the, the filmmaker's perspective where I wasn't watching the movie. I was just like, how did they do this scene? Right. Now, I imagine that it's just a camera in front of a cutout wall. And the actor's on the other side of that wall, and the butler just went through a door and was, like, walking around and came out. That's what I imagine it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they didn't do it that way. But that's what I assumed. Oh, But it was it was definitely an interesting opening scene because I was like, oh, nice, a little mirror shot. I like that we're trying this back in the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did you finish your closing statement? I think you didn't give it a oh, rating. I give it, I give it two and a half, same as the other two. Sounds good. Your thoughts? So, I, I I get what you're saying about this being worth it. And, like, there is some great cinema stuff that happens. But I don't know if I would really recommend it. I, I can't give it less than a face, though, because it is very competent storytelling. It's just that that particular scene really got to me. So, I can't really say I recommend it, but I did enjoy watching it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's There's really good storytelling. But I just know that a lot of people would really get yeah. upset about that particular part. And it's and it's too too important to the plot to skip over. Right. 
And I would say also, if if that's going to deter you ever from reading the book, don't let it, because that is a completely movie aspect. That's what I wanted to know. Uh, Yeah, I don't think that character exists in the novella at all. And the novella is only like 90 pages, too. So, easy read if you're interested. Um, But, yeah, I don't think the Ivy character is even part of the... Or maybe it's the fiancé that's not part of it. But either way... He does some terrible things in the book, but I think it's easier to read <laughs> the terrible things than to see the terrible right, things. Right, right, But yeah, this movie was about men and sex and maybe also drugs. <laughs> <laughs> maybe also, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, I, I don't know, but I, I'm not entirely sure what the message about sex they were trying to go for, but there's definitely something. Maybe it's just something there yeah maybe maybe it's just that all men are horny bastards and if we allow that to be a to be a culturally appropriate thing then we're just going to turn into monsters that's that's fair yeah it's like uh, i don't know it's like you gotta have self-control maybe god that's has what yeah, they're trying yeah to, you can't play god in yeah, this you situation. don't want to separate these things no. yeah yeah there's also like a bunch of you can't play god which i think that's both this and Frankenstein's yeah. lesson. Yeah, it's true. But uh, of, of the three, who do you? Who do you? I think I think we know who we, who wins. Who do you? Who do you? Who do you choose <laughs> to win? I think we know who wins. It, for me, it's Dracula. I give it to Dracula. It's. I don't know if it came before Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I know it came before Frankenstein, but it's it's what caused Universal to get hyped on the the monster horror franchise. You know the 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 whole universe that they built right. that they tried to rebuild. <laughs> a couple of years ago and just decided to stop quietly <laughs> with their dark universe. <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, maybe this isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should not do this. Uh, Tom Cruise is coming back for the mummy too. <laughs> we should stop. No, it's it. The, the Dracula, Dracula wins of the three. It's, it's very iconic character, very iconic actor playing the character. You know, the images everywhere, just well done for a movie of its time, even though I didn't like, the ending it still bothers me but uh, uh, yeah yeah but, but i liked it more than frankenstein even though i love the the sets of frankenstein i liked it more than that movie and i don't want dr jekyll and mr hyde to win because of the you know the the, the sex stuff <laughs> yeah yeah it's a bit rough now i will say that they never like actually have a sex scene no. because that they would never have gotten away with that in a bazillion years. Um, but they just infer it enough and he throws her around enough to make it distasteful in my book, honestly. Yeah, but that's fair. Maybe I'm a prude, but it's also rape and rape is bad. Indeed, that's true. But yeah, Dracula, 100%, man. I'm with you. Nice. I'm with you on that. I really liked how... They unfolded the dramatic irony and all that stuff. It, it's really well worth watching. I also think the Boris Karloff Frankenstein is really worth it too. But I just feel like that needs its own PSA that the book is much different and deserves to be read because it's yeah. great. I think, all, I think all three of these I would recommend reading the book more than these movies. Even though I right. really enjoyed most of these films. Like most of each film. Right. I, I don't know. The, I, I'm a I'm, I'm more of a bibliophile than I am a uh, cinephile, and I highly recommend right. reading all three of these. Even though Dracula, it's going to be a while until I return to that book because <laughs> it's a dry one. <laughs> I hear you. 
I'm sure that, yeah, correspondence and stuff, that would get kind of dry after a while. But that's the show, right? Well, I think that's their show. Yeah, Yeah, it is. And I am Count Green Graffler. (laughs) Oh, and I am his loyal servant. The faceless Leon. (laughs) Safe travels and goodnight. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.